Mr. Greg Lynn sits down with me here in the studio. He's one of the top three individual agents here in San Francisco. He's a friend of ours. He represents clients in transactions that are totaling more than $1 billion. He has a terrific team and a philanthropic mind. Let's hear all of it now. Uh, well, thank you, Greg, for coming in. My pleasure. This is so cool. We've been friends for a long time, We actually. have. Great to see you at the Magic Factory. Yes. This is where you. it all happens. This is. This is it. And you haven't been here for... I guess eight. Ten years? Eight years? Eight, nine. How long have you been here? Oh, that's a good point. Only since 2011. Yeah, I think you had um, um, a sidewalk sale. Yeah. And Glenn and I came, yeah. and we bought lots of things. And you bought the coolest things. We did, yeah. And, and they're still in use in our um, our vacation home today. Right on. Yeah, awesome. Um, so my first question, I was thinking about this as I'm, I'm preparing today, is that you, and I to a little bit, to a lesser degree, but you have a, such an interesting and unique perspective on this city. Yes. Uh, it's beautiful. Do you still kind of pinch yourself? Yes. Ever? Daily. Jeff, I wake up really early every day and pour coffee and sit down and take a deep breath. My Apple Watch reminds me to breathe. Uh And at that moment, I come alive and I thank the universe for putting me here in San Francisco, one of the greatest cities in the world. It's Mm -hmm. certainly one of the big shining lights of anywhere with the greatest people, the smartest, most creative people, and everybody is passionate about what I do, which is real estate. Right. We live in a big real estate city. Yes. And I'm, I consider myself so fortunate to be a facilitator mm-hmm. of people in their real estate. You're right. I mean, uh, you know, it touches so many yes. people trying to figure it out. Yes. It's, there's, it's complicated. Yes. It's, and some people say, you know, my job is good, but I'm, I'm going to make more money in real estate by just buying and selling and buying and selling. And uh-huh. so it's it, everybody. Oh, it's a vehicle also. Everybody sure. has a view on real estate. I mean, it, it's your home. It's your, right. it's your passion. It, it's what you do when you walk home every day and open the door at 7 o'clock at night and you look at your living room and you say, oh, I live here. Mm-hmm. I live here. This is where I refresh. This is where I get energy. It's just, I totally get it. And you are the soothsayer. <laughs> you are the Pied Piper of making things beautiful and it's, livable and how people express themselves. It's pretty special. Uh, and like you said, it's, it's something people come home to and they get refreshed. Yes. I was recently at a, um, a birthday party and you know it wasn't a, like a retreat feel. It was like an amplification feel. Yeah. So we sometimes see that in yeah. different clients. Like you know what refreshes them. I guess. Yes, it's very parent. different for everybody. Yeah. And so, so my spin on that in the real estate business is that I need to sell places that do not scream at people, uh-huh. but rather lure them into thinking that wow, this would be an incredible place for me to call home. It's more beautiful than my current place. Mm-hmm. It's more expensive than my current place, mm-hmm. but gosh darn it, I'm worth it, and <laughs> yeah. I want to take that leap. Yeah. You, know, you, you, you say to people, um, you deserve nice things. Yes. Do it for yourself. You do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, people uh, often look at real estate outside of their budget, and mm-hmm. I tell them that that's okay. You've got great taste, and most people have a way to make that happen. Yeah. Um, so you uh, work with Sotheby's. I and, do. And 12, 13. 13 years now. Yeah, and that is a luxury brand. It's, uh, you know, it's among the best, if not the best. 
And people are brand right? loyalists, yeah. right? So people really like brands. They like to shop brands. They like to eat brands. They're comfortable with brands. What I love about the Sotheby's brand is uh -huh. that it's 250 years old. A lot yeah. happened before I, I went to work there. Yeah. And the brand really does help connote the highest point of luxury. And you have great people that work uh, at the, at the team, you know, with the team. And I am the luckiest stoked. person in the world when it comes to work. I am so fortunate to surround myself by uh, people that are passionate and smart and young and old, but everybody just loves what we do and our clients mm -hmm. and our work. And did you have a good story? I think I read it or you told me at one time about how you landed the position at Sotheby's? Yes, I fought for it. You fought for Patrick it. Patrick Barber, you know who you are. Yeah, yeah, he does. <laughs> Patrick Barber hired me when um, he felt sorry for me that I kept oh, knocking on his door. And he's like, you can't work here until you have some experience. Yeah. So anyhow, I came to work there. But on my first day of my job, um, I had a... Fortunately, a good number of clients who work for a big technology search company, yes. and they all had their liquidity events, and they all wanted to buy homes, oh, man. and they were waiting for me to get my license. And so on my first day, um, a great friend wanted to buy um, a beautiful home in Noy Valley, and so I partnered with some of the really smart agents at Sotheby's, and of course, we were successful, and we went to go do inspections, and we learned that the furniture there didn't belong to the owner. What? But rather, it was staged by this <laughs> yeah. company called Green Couch. Yeah. And I thought, how iconic. Yeah. Green Couch. There wasn't a green couch in the staging, but it was beautiful. And yeah. that was the day that I learned what an important role you play in the business. Now, just, um, just a bit player, I guess you'd say. But um, it's so fun, and it's, it's also so fun to like hear more about how uh, you've become passionate about the work, and your team has grown, and I want to kind of learn all about that. But I also read uh, you work extraordinarily long hours. Is that? Oh, you've been talking to my husband. Yeah, <laughs> the seven days a week, eighteen-hour days. You know, of, is just, that true? I I think more so uh, sometimes of the year, uh, hmm. less so other times of the year. I could tell you right now during the the peak of our fall season, you know, I'm working 18, 19, 20 hour days. Mm -hmm. um, there's just so many great clients. We have um, lots of listings that are not yet sold. We're interviewing for new listings uh, in January. There's lots of work to do. We've got buyers uh, who are making offers on properties. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm involved with a lot of other agents and coaching them throughout the Sotheby's network. And so, but it's, if you love what you do, you're not counting the hours, right? Yeah. And I'm really fortunate to be in this space. My team's working just as hard as I am. Yeah, you have an awesome team. I have tons of questions about them, too. But you, this was since uh, 2005 or 2004? Yeah, I joined um, Sotheby's the day after I got my license in 2005, okay. following a year sabbatical after I left a management consulting career. Mm -hmm. And um, I worked alone for a couple of years and then realized, wow, this is too hard and um, hired an assistant. Um, John has been with me for 11 years. That's awesome. Also hired Alex Hachia, who yep. you know on my team. And yep. Alex has been with us 11 years. Yeah. So I guess something's sticking. We must be doing something well. Yeah. Um, so I was having this discussion yesterday or, or Saturday with a dad from our school. And he had just started a business um, I think he was having a milestone of about like two years, mm. you know. Can you remember some of the milestones since 2005 when you're, you know, you, you hit this marker? Yeah. You hit that yeah. marker. Yeah, right? I can think about that. Um, I started um, when uh, a really 
a wonderful, nice owner of one of the most beautiful view condos downtown felt sorry for me. She kept getting my direct mail pieces and mm-hmm. she called me and said, well, if you could sell my property for this price, and I took a deep breath, that price, <gasps> that price, um, you can, you can be hired by me. And of course, uh, scare, spookily enough, it sold. Mm-hmm. And that was the day I think I got put on the map for, for luxury home sales. Mm-hmm. In what was it? was it? It was a place at the Brannon, a oh, place right where on, you yeah, and I have, yeah. have oh, um, you know, we've staged so many listings. Oh, gosh, we've yeah. now sold over 65 homes there. But yeah. that was my first. Yeah. And it was a big number. And it remained a record there for about seven or eight years. Wow. But I also remember the day that we first clocked fifty million in sales, yeah. you know, annually, which is which is a lot in San Francisco. Oh, right. And then I remember when we did a hundred mm-hmm. million in sales, and then when we did two hundred million in sales. So yeah, I remember but all these milestones. For those of the listeners who kind of those sound like big impressive numbers, but what does a typical maybe you know average or I mean, slightly above average agent to sell in a year? You know, um, mostly, you know, there's 4,000 agents in San Francisco. Wow. And if you look at the productivity reports, most of them sell, you know, three or four, you know, properties a year. That'll stretch to about 15 to $20 million. Uh-huh. So we tend to represent 40 buyers uh-huh. a year when they purchase homes. Mm-hmm. And we tend to represent 40 to 50 sellers per year. Uh-huh. And fortunately, you are involved with over 50%. Yeah. Of all of the homes that we sold, yeah, and so. and I I'll tip the hat also to our amazing team, yeah, who like work really well with your amazing team. We do have incredible synergy. Yeah. We don't have to ever um, be concerned about things not working; they just work. It's it's a formula, and we like to say that you know green couch is part of our secret sauce. That's cool. Don't argue. Don't challenge it. Just <laughs> if you if you really want that number and you really want us, well, then you're going to have to hire them. End of story. That's wild. I mean, because that's not everybody has that kind of. Uh, you have a great marketing plan. It goes far beyond. Um, it's nice for you to say that, but it goes far beyond what Green Couch you know helps you provide uh, does for you and your team. Um, yeah, maybe some of that's proprietary. No, it's not are, proprietary. What are some of the things like you really focus on? Yeah. Do you, so you know, what's the business behind it? It's really simple. Sure? We are, after all, an art dealer. Uh-huh. We are an art specialist. Huh. Sotheby's reputation is yeah. based upon helping owners of rare um, pieces of art and mm-hmm. sculpture and homes and automobiles get the highest possible price for their collectible, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to any home in San Francisco that we take on, we have only one goal, Mm -hmm. and that's to curate it. Mm -hmm. So buyers see it in the best light possible, achieving Mm -hmm. um, the way that no other property has ever done of its category. And our goal is to help it sell at the highest possible price whether it's a you know $1 million condo or a $15 million single family home, but we follow the same process. And how the property is presented in the interiors is as important as the advertising mm-hmm. that goes out. When a buyer walks in and sees a beautiful property with a great view with shabby interiors, yeah. it's over. Yeah, It's just over. So we, yeah. we go to work very quickly when we're interviewing for new listings to yeah. see who's serious and who's not about who's ready to move out and stage and who just wants to, you know, keep things... Kick the tires. Kick or... the tires, right? Well, yeah, yeah. you know, the market is really transitional right now. Oh, really? It's slowing down a lot. I, I heard that probably Friday. Most, 
Yeah, no, it, it's really slowing down a lot. It may be uh-huh. cyclical. It feels a little bit different in the slowdown before most Thanksgiving. Maybe uh-huh. the election is giving people additional nausea. Interesting. But things are really slowing down right now. Now is a lot of time to try and get the, you know, the highest sales price without doing all of the work mm-hmm. as a seller. So typically, if sellers are not open to staging and they haven't recently done a professional interior design installation, yeah. we're not, we don't want to work with them. Mm. It's just that simple. They're harder to market. They're harder. We're not in the business. Uh, we're we're not in the business of li- of listing uh-huh. properties. We're in the business of selling them. Yeah. yeah. But if you've just finished, um, you know, a two million dollar interior design, you know, installation in your home, and it looks like it could appear in. Better Homes and Gardens, or Architectural Digest, California or Home and Design, California Home and Design, <laughs> Novel Gazette, El Decor. Yeah. Then we're ready to yeah. take you on. Yeah. But you know, if your stuff came from IKEA twenty years ago, it's time for a refresh. Yeah, it's a nope. Right. Well, we can't name. do that. Well, we can't get the price you want with that. Yeah, so you, you sort of set the stage, so to speak. But I've also heard an awesome compliment about you from a, friend, a mutual friend of ours that you tell the story and you tell the history of a home and, yes. a, and a residence. We love to do that. I, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think that everybody does. In fact, he was visiting some other residence with another agent who, um, you know, I don't remember the name of yeah. him. Yeah. She, but uh, I think he asked the question, tell me about the history of the place. Yeah. And had none. Real estate is all about storytelling. Uh-huh. And a lot of people miss that, but buyers love to hear the stories. Yes. Sometimes the stories need to be edited uh-huh. uh, a bit, again, but we like to tell truths, but we really like to tell the whole story because that's important to buyers, to affluent yeah. buyers. They've got choices and they want to really understand what the whole story is. And we tell that to sellers. And so we spend a lot of time getting to know them, getting to know the renovations that they did and the reasons why they did the things that they did. Mm-hmm. We like to show four or five page, you know, um, you know, detailed list of what materials you'll find uh, yeah. in the home. It's all part of the story. Yeah. Um, I've got another question for you about um, kind of the milestone talk and I guess motivation. You know, this is, I love learning about how you approach real estate, but also just you as a businessman. Mm-hmm. I think it's, uh, you've been so successful, and I think everybody can Google you and, and find out all about it, you know. Um, but I remember after being in business for four or five years, and then again at like six, seven years, and then, you know, every few years I have to reinvigorate yes. myself with, I'll answer the question why I'm doing yes. this. Yes. So, you know, why do I work so hard? What's the other side of it? Yeah. And do you ever answer that question and do you have a recent? Yes and no, Jeff. Um, we're growing a business, you know, from, you know, 10 years ago at $20 million a year to now, you know, 200 million. We'd like to do 300 million. But we only do that by working with good people and good clients that come to us from our past clients. And so we're so busy in the process of accommodating. You know, we'll never say no to a price range. Like somebody called earlier to know if we will list an $800,000, you know, property in a neighborhood we're not familiar with. The answer is yes, because they were referred from somebody that we really love. Mm -hmm. So our goal is to scale and to grow as, you know, big as possible. That makes sense for us. We just added, you know, a fourth 
you know, agent teammate this year, mm -hmm. probably a year or, or two ahead of when I thought I was going to do that, but the right person, you know, came along at the right time. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that that person is as busy as the rest of us. So mm -hmm. we'll scale as large as we can, as long as we continue to have great, great clients. Mm -hmm. I never think about what the next step is for me. Mm -hmm. um, I love this business and I like to think that I'm young of it young enough to be doing it for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. I hire really talented people that, you know, are running, you know, their own businesses, you know, right underneath me. And it's fun to coach them and, and, and help them achieve the most that they can mm -hmm. um, out of work. So I do equal parts selling, coaching, managing, um, and, and client loving. That's, mm -hmm. it, my day is split, you know, haphazardly doing all of those things simultaneously. Yeah. Do you have a, uh, a strict schedule? Do you have like sort of set up every 30 minutes? Or no. It's just, you fluid? know, nothing changes my schedule like reading the morning's emails uh -huh. where people who are awake overnight yeah. thinking about changing the plans for, yeah. you know, what they're going to do. Yes. So um, I can tell you Tuesday, every Tuesday and Wednesday, our broker tour. Uh -huh. So we're going to be doing that. On Monday, my team has a two-hour meeting where we talk about every client and every detail and that's our time All together. All members? All members of the team. Mm -hmm. So there's seven people around, and we have somebody that Skypes in from Southern California where she lives and she works with mm -hmm. us. And so we're really busy for two hours on Monday mornings. Mm -hmm. And then Tuesday and half of Wednesday is dedicated to Broker Tour. Mm -hmm. um, Wednesday is the Sotheby's office meeting, and that's 100 people getting together to talk about the market and what happened on this offer date and what happened on this house mm -hmm. and who's in and who's out and the gossip that's going on in the, the San Francisco brokerage community. Mm -hmm. We're never missing that meeting. <laughs> We're never missing that meeting. Yeah. It's like too salacious. Yeah. <laughs> so Thursdays, I don't know if I've shared this with you, but you can't find me anywhere on Thursdays because I stay at home. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so I, I push email, I take phone calls, um, I talk to my coaches and therapists and, you know, people that, that help me, you know, stay calm and the person that I want to be. But I don't actually go out and take appointments unless it's something very special. Yeah. Um, if a CEO were to fly in from New York and, you know, want to see me and want to see property, that's the type of meeting that I'll take on Thursday. Otherwise, yeah. I'm pretty much in my sweats on my sofa. Uh -huh. um, managing the whole day from there. Uh -huh. um, and then Friday is a busy day getting ready for the weekend. Mm -hmm. On weekends when I can't escape to Hillsburg to see yeah. you and your loving family or Palm Springs where we have a, yeah. a chill pad, you can find me you know, working with clients and going out and seeing new properties. Saturday and, and Sunday? Saturday or? and Sunday. Wow. Sunday is the busier day, but yeah. you know, there's a lot happening on Saturdays as yeah. well. Um, at... <laughs> At your level, or where most of your clients are are, are out searching, it sounds more active it's, on Saturdays. It seems like maybe some of the other agents aren't working on sa Saturdays as much. Yeah, some people like to take Saturdays off. Yeah. Um, I think Thursday is a better day. <laughs> yeah. It's just work for me that way. Yes. Um, some Saturdays I've got no appointments, but Sundays is a very full day. You do work a lot. We do, we do. But then there can be four hours of downtime. And I'm lucky that my hour, my house and office are only one mile away, so I can float yeah. pretty effortlessly between the two of them. I am not 
um, hurt by the gridlock of, of San Francisco traffic. I've, mm -hmm. I managed to escape that even yeah. though I, I moved between the north side and downtown pretty effortlessly along the mm -hmm. Embarcadero. I don't have the, the horrible you know, um, job of getting from you know, a brokerage here to you know, a listing here. Um, I pretty much move under the radar and, and pretty quickly. I'm not opposed to getting on a scooter every once in a while. Oh, are you doing that? I love it. Really? I absolutely love it. I, I did the Lime thing a lot until they took it away from me. Yeah. It was really fun. Yeah. Those are interesting. They're solving one of commuting a, problems. One of the guys, or, or so adding simple. to them, depending upon uh, how you look at it. But one of the guys on my team does not have a car, and he has his own scooter. So oh, that, electric that, scooter. Yeah, exactly. Oh, right on. I love that. It just folds up and, and goes with them up the stairs. Yeah. So um, I'm really open. I am aware that San Francisco has its challenges, and mm -hmm. we have to solve those challenges. Yeah. We have to solve not just the homeless problem, but the drug addiction problem. Mm -hmm. When you look at the street and see somebody um, sleeping um, there, and somebody next to them, you know, screaming at the top of their lungs, you realize this is not a homeless problem. Oh, yeah. Because the difference between those two people and me is much more than a home. Yeah. We have a drug addiction problem. And, yeah. you know, I... And subsequent mental health because of it. Absolutely. And so we have to get a handle on this because it oh. is affecting... Um, Buyers who are thinking of living here that aren't um, convinced that they want to live in San Francisco versus, you know, Sausalito mm -hmm. or Berkeley or, you know, San Mateo. We're losing um, a lot of people that could be yeah. purchasing real estate here because of that. Mm -hmm. um, this is a tough time for our city. I have faith and confidence in our leadership. If we could build the Trans Bay Terminal and mm -hmm. the rooftop park, mm -hmm. although it's temporarily yeah. out of commission. Yeah. If we could build, I mean, I went there every day for the six weeks that that was open. Oh, really? I love that Oh, part. just walking through? It just reminds, it? it just reminds you that we can do anything in this city because that was the impossible oddity. And yeah. um, they're just giving it a little checkup right now, but I yeah. know that it's going to be back because uh, Salesforce is behind it and they can, they can cure anything. Yes. Um, yeah, that park is amazing. It is. It is. So, uh, you know, how kind of politically politically aware are you? Do you get into some of these details? I try to stay campaigns? out of it. I yeah. don't get involved with campaigns. I like to vote for the people that are going to be the smartest for the long term, you know, of San Francisco. San Francisco is this beacon. It is this... Um, it's this liberal bastion in a country that is uh, in a shocking revolt and, and trying to reinvent itself. And as things continue to be tumultuous globally and nationally, San Francisco is going to be a very special place moving forward. And we have to prepare for that, and we've got to fix the problems that are roiling our city. They're not easy problems, and I'm not advocating for anybody specifically, but we elect our leaders, and they have to fix the problems in our city. We have enough money. We need the, um, we need the moxie mm -hmm. to get things done. I know. I know. There's a, have you read about Costa Hawkins? Yes. Am I saying that right? Do you know? Uh, do you know much about it? I don't. Uh, I don't. Uh, it's. It, uh, I think in short, the, the the people who are against would say it's going to take away the rights of a single-family homeowner and condo owners. They would also be then rent controlled. That's Proposition Ten. Yes, I'm against Proposition Ten. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, 
like I'm gonna keep polling people who are more in the know than I am. Yeah. Whether they think it will pass, and they say it's not doing well, but everybody has to get out and uh, everybody vote. has to get and vote for so many reasons. Yeah, I see some ads um, about uh, seniors against it. Yes. You know, and everybody seemingly is against it, except for the people who are for it, whom I don't know. You're right. Exactly. There's always a question about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so bottom line, I'm not as polit- politically active um, as I could be, but I like to support the people that have the plans to improve our city. Yeah, um, I'm with you. I had an experience this summer. I came back from Europe, and I came back to harsh. San Francisco. It's harsh. It seemed like uh, the whole time I was there, walking around uh, um, Munich, actually, I was like, hmm, I saw a homeless guy. One. And he was kind of dressed well. Yeah. And clearly had his yeah. stroller. You know, exactly. He was, he was mental. But, you know, I also had a nice cardigan. Yeah. <laughs> I have a hard time with clients that go away in the summertime to beautiful places and they come back mm-hmm. to the harshness of our city, especially the downtown part. Oh, um, they struggle. Yeah, I've, I've lost some deals that did not come together in September because of what I call the uh, Amalfi Coast Syndrome. Uh-huh. You come back from um, an incredible vacation, you know, in the Mediterranean and suddenly you lose faith in our city and you're not certain that you want to make a real estate move. Mm-hmm. So uh, September can be a really tough time, wow. right as we're bringing all these properties on the market. I know. We need to fix these problems. We definitely if you're, do. If you're listening, Mayor, it's yeah. your move. Yeah, your move next. Though she has, I believe, put uh, effort and sort of Mark um, Farrell yeah. put some monetary efforts uh, I don't think we need money. Up. Yeah, I mean, we've got lots of money. We well, just need plans. I, the other day I was walking to, um, near, really close to the Four Seasons, that candy factory, mm-hmm. Candytopia. And, Candytopia. Uh, did yeah. you hear that, Carrie? Yeah. And this guy was walking, um, yellow vest. He had a big a roller big trash can, and he was picking up trash. And I was like, hey, thanks, bud. Yeah. So these are, these are kind of new things that are coming up. And The I Quasi have, City Private Partnerships. Is it? Yeah. So they've got one for Yerba Buena, uh-huh. they've got one for Union Square, and we're probably going to have one for the Francisco Park once that's um, oh, created right. on Russian Hill. Tell me about that, because you're helping raise, I think, a $25 million... Yeah, $25 million. Yeah. We have $13 million in pledges. Well, Francisco Park is kind of an interesting passion. Um, as, so, so it is located where? Yeah, so it's bordered by... You've probably seen it on Bay Street when you're crossing you yeah. know, Russian Hill, right yeah. about where um, Ghirardelli Square is. But it's bordered by Hyde and Larkin, Bay and Chestnut. There's this huge abandoned reservoir yeah. since 1925. It's been, it's been it's abandoned been, since then? Since 1925, uh-huh. since the Hetch, Hetchy Dam was built. Uh-huh. And the reservoir has been empty since then. Gosh. So it's just kind of been this eyesore on this five-acre parcel. Yeah. It's been sitting and sitting and it was you know the city can't develop you can't develop it um because four-story height limit you know it doesn't make economic sense to do it then mark farrell who um has amazing wisdom and inspiration because Mm -hmm. he was born in the city and you know used to throw footballs that would go over the fence and get stuck there Mm -hmm. um he's always envisioned that becoming a park Mm -hmm. so we got together with a bunch of neighbors got the city of San Francisco to purchase that from the Public Utilities Commission. Uh-huh. If the neighbors could put together the uh, the money to finance the construction in 
to endow the future of the park. Mm -hmm. So it costs about $25 million, and we've already raised 13 in a very silent neighbor-to-neighbor -neighbor, uh, campaign. Right. The building where I live, um, I've helped our neighbors give about $2 million. Building next door has given about $1 million. There are families down the street that have given you know half a million dollars. There's currently a $6 million matching grant by a San Francisco family. Wow. So things are moving very quickly, and cool. construction should start within a year. And really? Then, yeah. Do you have to raise it all before they start, or is it just they're waiting? Ongoing? I think they're waiting to get to the $16 million point, mm -hmm. which I think is the hard cost of construction. The mm -hmm. other are soft cost and the endowment of future maintenance. Mm -hmm. But when you think about the legacy, of this park, where in the world can you find a five acre parcel so close to a downtown center of any major city in the world? Mm -hmm. Everything has been built out. Mm -hmm. Here's the only place in the world that you can build a park today in a major city within five miles of a downtown. So what would the park uh, uh, comprise of? Are there drawings and sketches? Is it a dog it's park? Is it yeah, kind of... it's been through you know city review uh -huh, and you uh -huh. can imagine yeah, once, I mean... once the park idea came about all sorts of special interests wanted to control that and so uh -huh. the neighbors who uh -huh. financed you know the park pretty much have controlled it, that it's going to be kind of like Alta Plaza a bit. You know, uh -huh. there's there's not going to be any sporting events there. There's no PA system. You know, there's not going to be, you know, a concert arena. It's going to be walking paths, um, a dog run, and a kid's play area. And right that's on. about it. Sweet. We like that. Yeah. Um, and we have a vested interest in this because my building just happens to be perched on top of that. Yeah. And we're going to see right everything that goes there. So we're all very excited. Um, if anybody buys a home in Russian Hill, they hear the pitch from me that we'd really like them, you know, to um, give a significant six-figure donation that'll be matched by this six million dollar challenge match. Yeah. Um, and so, are you heading all of this? Are you the no? No. No, just for so, my building. That's you know, cool. There's an organizing committee um, mm -hmm. of the park that's been at work for six or seven years. They reached out to me and asked if I would coordinate just for our building, and it was it was really fairly easy to raise two million dollars. It was a lot of fun. Um, you also have toys for tots. Yeah, um, interesting. That. How many years have you done that? I think this is our fourteenth uh, year. Uh, pretty big, but you know, most people give me a lot of credit for it. I really did not invent the idea. When yeah. I lived in New York, I used to go to this same event every year that had two to three thousand people attending it. But the idea is very simple. Um, there's a lot of kids in the region that um, are facing crises or they're yeah. um, underprivileged and families in transition and they otherwise are not going to get a gift during the holidays. So this is just a party with no admission where everybody comes together. They bring two unwrapped toys mm -hmm. and a huge pile of toys is created and given to Variety, the children's charity okay. that has 15 beneficiary organizations to shelters and homeless uh, organizations where they specifically know that there's 50 boys under the age of six mm -hmm. that are waiting for toys. So it's really fun to do this. So I thought, let's just do it on the same night, um, mm -hmm. the first Sunday in December. And we get about a thousand people together and we collect about 2,500 to 3,000 toys, which are then distributed over the next 10 days. Mm -hmm. So it's really kind of fun to get everybody together. Where we have it at the St. Regis. Is it the same place every time? Same place every time. We started out at Harry Denton's, and then the uh -huh. fire department shut us down. 
because oh, too many people. Too many people. It worked at a hundred people, not at a thousand. So now <laughs> yeah. we're in the ballroom at the Saint Regis. It's really yeah. fun. Everybody buys drinks, has a good time. Mm. Um, I imagine we're going to have to find a new place at some point because we're pretty packed there. It's just a really fun event. I don't have kids, so it's really fun to shop once a year and get toys and just um, imagine that these are going to go to somebody who otherwise is not going to have a fun Christmas. Mm. Um, it's really cool of you, and I, I think when I was asking you a question about you know why you know why do all this? What's what's a deeper meaning I can connect with? Personally, I look for those type of things to kind of get into. I'm so psyched and kind of proud of you as a friend that oh, you do thanks. that. It's really neat, and, and uh, you know, giving on other sides that we give so much to our clients. We give, give a lot to our give clients. Also in another to way, the too. Community. Yeah. And, you know, I want to be honest, there's some selfish reasons in it as well. Um, a lot of people have very busy lives, and many times coming together once a year for this Toys for Tots party mm -hmm. is I see people once a year mm -hmm. or twice a year. So it's not just a way to give back, you know, to the community. Um, but it's also a way to connect with people and keep connections alive in years and years and years away. Mm -hmm. um, there are people that I know that I'm going to see at Toys for Tots that I only yeah. see once a year. That builds me, community, though. That's, that's, that's selfish to do yeah. it. it. It does build community. But there's, there's a lot of reasons for doing it. It, it. It's really fun. And I've got a host mm -hmm. committee. Of uh -huh. about 30 people that also put a lot into yeah. it. And they reach out to all of their friends. And, you know, um, it, there, it's a non-charge event. You know, you just bring toys to get in. And, you know, I underwrite some of the costs just to keep it no charge to everybody. That's mm -hmm. easy to do for the win, 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 win of mm -hmm. the night. Yeah. Do you have any other things that you're cooking up? Always. <laughs> Care to share? Always cooking on things uh, in fruition. Um not just yet. Um, there's some big things uh, that are head going on in San Francisco that are going to, you know, obviously we're a city that loves its real estate. Yeah. We're a city that loves its sports. Yeah. We're a city that loves its wine. Yes. And we're a city that loves its technology, mm -hmm. right? So when you go to right. a dinner party, you better be prepared to talk about two of those four things, <laughs> yeah. right? Well, I'm, I'm working with uh, a group that's going to bring something even newer to San Francisco. That's going to be the fifth thing that's going to be on everybody's mind. Um, we're about a year away from its launch, and I can't talk about it, but it's really exciting. Wow, and what really a cliffhanger. Me. You're really yeah. doing this. Is yeah, that, is, this that is, to make sure, is that to make sure we have the follow-up podcast? I'm happy to do For like that. A 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock <laughs> for next year? Where there's, about this where there's cocktails. Yeah. You know, this podcast is awesome, but you invited me here at 1 o'clock when this should be a 5 o'clock. I think you're right. Robbie, should we change that from now on? It was fun. I did it once. It was, you know, we had like a couple of pints. I don't <laughs> need alcohol to have fun with you, Jeff Schlar, but it really does, it does help. <laughs> it wouldn't hurt. We do it. We have fun at Zuni with our spouses, yeah. but they don't think our talk about real estate is as much fun as Oh my as gosh, we we're like laser focused yeah. and they're like, hello. I got I feel that way too. Home. But I got talked to when I got home. Oh, you said <laughs> As always. Um, oh, I was thinking about this... Oh, I spent a good portion of yesterday at home Googling. This is something I'll never actually do, but Googling little um, buildings in my hometown. Oh, wow. And trying to create a coffee shop there to boister this dying town. Wow. Not that nobody's insulted by that, but it's gone from like 8,007 to 6, and there's not a lot of commerce there. And the little town is kind of quaint, though highly underutilized for a good reason. Wow. There are reasons. Yeah. The town isn't like doing well, mostly economic, right? And uh, 
But I, I spent a good portion of the day teasing Trey yes. about this new project we're going to work on. And should we name it after <laughs> you, babe? <laughs> should, should we, like, you know, I mean, what do you think? Well, you could do the decor. Should we start with white? You know, <laughs> I was like really, really going for it. But do you ever think of ideas like that? It's kind of like crazy business ideas that probably are just more hobby than they are business. I don't know about that. But what I do know is Glenn, my husband, has this passion, you know, for property, right? Yes. He does. You were collecting a few. We're having a lot of fun. And, you know, none of them big, none of them expensive. But, you know, he really wants to to get involved in creating and making um, and um, and making things you know more beautiful and more rentable um, and buy and sell so we're we've been collecting some property yeah. over the year and he's managing them all his rentals and some we're renovating and some not mm-hmm. but he's knee deep in two renovations right now so just supporting him and hearing the stories and the, the successes and the frustrations um, that's about as much as I can uh, handle right now in yeah. addition to you know, the crazy 50 clients that we have right now. I counted this morning at our team, you know, we've got Uh 50, 50 clients right now who are active and it's a full, Mm -hmm. I don't manage more than four or five of them, Mm -hmm. but um, I manage everybody on the team as they're managing them. And so it really is a full time occupation. I love to let go in the summertime though. Yeah. You just can't do this all the time, right? You'll burn out. And so I've yeah, discovered, yeah. you know, many years ago that you do have to disconnect. And, you know, Glenn and I have traveled, you know, around to fun places. But we've discovered what we really love the best is the Italian coast. Uh-huh. And so uh, we get there, you know, three weeks uh, every summer time. And you can't find me. You can't reach me during now, that time because that's my time to recharge Now, when you come back from the Amalfi Coast, do you come back to San Francisco and just say, we've got to clean this place up? No, I don't. Oh, I am no? so energized. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I am so energized when like, I come back. I, that's my full reset battery recharge. That's yeah. what I come back with, you know, new ideas. Don't you, like, shelf your phone, so to speak, for three yeah. weeks? Yeah. No, I don't bring it. You know, bring, I actually yeah. don't bring a phone. I don't, Put it on the shelf in your office at home. No, I give it to my assistant, John, who has to actually answer all of the um, oh, inquiries the for yeah. you know new clients that come. We get three new inquiries a day, Jeff. Three people contact us a day, whether yeah. from past clients or um, friends of past clients or through the internet. But we get mm-hmm. three situations a day that begin with me that mm-hmm. want to work with us. Mm-hmm. And so if I were to shut off my phone... No yeah. one would hear those. Yeah. And so they, they, only, they only come to me. Yeah. So it's fun. That's 45. Get... I just did the math. It's 45. <laughs> you'd miss out on three weeks. Right? Wait, if that's only five days. Like, okay, go ahead. But, you know, some of those may be situations <laughs> that you talk to for five years. So when mm-hmm. they call, they call. Yeah. Um, so it's really great to disconnect, but I don't have any connected device during that time. Yeah. Um, for emergencies, Glenn has his phone. And, you know, mm-hmm. you can reach him and, you know, he'll decide whether... Um, yeah, know. I need his phone number, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and the team, it's, it's a really well-orchestrated um, time away. Like, we don't, um, of course, um, we tell clients, you know, months in advance that I'm going to be leaving for a two- to three-week period during the foggiest time of the year when we try and pretend like nothing will happen mm-hmm. in the San Francisco market. But... Um, my team knows that anything that happens during that time they're responsible for, they can um, actually sign listing agreements. They can commit mm-hmm. to new projects mm-hmm. if they need to be done. But they can also fire clients if people are really misbehaving. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, you're so, you're so like even about that, I mm-hmm. think, fair-minded. I just thought about this um, 
you know, we have a team too. So, you know, we're really trying You've to You've got negotiate. an amazing team. Thank you. Um, and a couple different brands, as you know, like we have our design studio, yeah. an eponymous named uh, design studio, and then Green Couch, which you work with daily. Um, but I remembered this just yesterday, that I try my very best to treat our, and I want my team to feel like this too, the clients mm-hmm. are just as important as the cleaner. I know that's cliche, Absolutely. but everyone needs something from each one. Yeah. Like the junior designer right. really benefits the client. Yeah. Because it's a, you know, for instance, a lower rate of her right. job. She's different tiered down. She right. is a good teammate to have for mm-hmm. their end goal. Mm-hmm. Of course, she needs the client because, you know, that's her job. That's her right. employment. And every which way we need a, you know, a proper, like, amazing uh, accounting, uh, like, yeah. position. And our director of finance, we need yeah. um, all of this. You know, um, they need me. Yeah. You know, they, but we all deserve the exact same respect. Absolutely. And, and candor and pleasantries and, and civility. Yep. And to not to forget about that. Now, you never forget about that with the clients. And right. We're all we're both probably pretty lucky. There's not anybody that's, um, it's, it's not that often that somebody's rude to us. It's um, it's more often that you might think, Jeff. Mm-hmm. And um, we're we've got a pretty good sense of who people are when we're interviewing for them. Uh-huh. You know, um, and many times we decide, you know, this won't be a good fit for us. Early. We won't. We don't want to work with them because that we just feel that there's something that just isn't right, and it's going to end up, you know, exploding and. You know, we do a high volume of listings, but we do high quality listings as well. <clears throat> the only way that we can do that is that if things move um, swiftly into plans and there's very high energy. The moment that a client turns on us, mm-hmm. it starts to suck all of the oxygen out of the yeah. room. And we've realized that those situations, if they correct themselves early, they may. But if they just continue to digress, that they're going to take all of our time. And so we're quick to suggest to people when we don't think that we'll, um, that we'll work well together. Or if our engagements go bad, we'll be the first to suggest that this is not working out for us and we'd like to resign. I can imagine, though, that your interactions are just so much more intense. I mean, we do um, take just the design team. We're responsible for a very large budget. Yeah. It is dwarfed by your budget. Yes. You know, so there's just more behind it. Yes. There's more emotion. There's more uh, monetary. People, um, you try and get the best read of them you can when you're first getting to know them. And I think it's consolidated. So you'd be dealing with them. Once you really set up the listing, then there's like uh, maybe a month until it goes live. So then a week before it goes live. And then the subsequent four weeks afterwards are intense. It is an intense period. And we do our best to communicate the business plan and what's going to happen during Uh that time. Like one thing we don't like is surprises. Mm -hmm. We really like to explain the process and what's going to happen, you know, in advance. And if... People um, want to shake the tree and, you know, they want to be the master of the universe very early on and Mm -hmm. they want to change the economics of the real estate landscape. Mm -hmm. It's good for us to know this before we get into business with them. Mm -hmm. Do you have some, um, you must have like a list of questions, you know, to ask or just kind of some topics to, uh, to bring up so that that will reveal itself? Yeah, absolutely. Here they are. Oh, why are you selling? Uh Uh-huh. What is your opinion of value of your home? Uh-huh. And how did you derive at that? Uh-huh. Those three questions wow, yeah. will tell us a lot about 
who we're going to be working with. Uh-huh. Are they a dream seller that hears that the market is teetering and thinks that, well, now's my time to cash out and I want to sell today at 2017 prices? Uh-huh. That's not a person we want to work with. Right. But it's somebody who understands that they may have missed the peak of the market, but they're still interested in doing the heavy lifting to get their place on the market and sold quickly, you know, mm-hmm. at a, a price that will be accepted by the 2018 or 2019 market. That's mm-hmm. someone that we want to work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greg, I have like tons more questions, but I like to keep these as pod snacks. And we got to get the one year from now cocktail session too. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you one last question that I love to ask everybody. And it is this. What's the your favorite room in your house and why? It's my living room. Mm-hmm. First of all, I've got a really small house, so there's really only two rooms. <laughs> um, but that's an easy one, mm-hmm. my living room. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's the space that I planned that re-energizes me. Because everything, um, I, I'm really fortunate to live in a really small place, but with really big views. It's like a glass box on a cliff. So I've got views of um, some incredible things in San Francisco, you know, Alcatraz right in your face and the the Golden Gate Bridge and the Presidio, Palace of Fine Arts. So because we've got this incredible landscape, one of the most important um, views in the entire world we get from our living room. So the living room is a soft... um, very um, cool, gentle place where it balances the incredible majesty that's going on outside. Mm-hmm. And every time I walk into my living room, I take that big sigh and realize this is my place. This is where I get comfort. Um, this is where I'm alone. This is where I'm with my husband. This is where I entertain friends and family. But most importantly, it's just that place where I energize. So I, I talk about that and I communicate that to clients a lot is they're looking at places and they may not think that things are right. Mm-hmm. You know, you really know when you first walk into a place, whether it has potential or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm really fortunate to have that at home so I can, ex- I can share with clients, you know, how to experience that. And I think I've helped people become more happy with their real estate um, purchases or not purchasing, staying in their own place and maybe just redesigning it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a long-winded answer about what my favorite room is. And I'll never leave it. I will never sell it. You know, people in San Francisco move every two to three years. And I've lived is- in my building for 13 years. Uh-huh. Um, Glenn and I have had this apartment for six years. We're going to keep it for another 60. We're yeah. never, yeah. ever leaving this space. Yeah. Oh, that's, a, that's great. What a great answer. Uh, I'll bet you. Oh, do you have to answer? You know, well, I came in. I think I feel like this is a space, and then you've got to answer some sort of design question. Well, you can actually raise those ceilings, or you yeah. can, you know, take out that yeah. little wall so it reveals itself a little bit quicker, and you have to sell it a little bit, or I mean, tell the possibility. You know what's amazing to me, Jeff, is how many buyers really don't have that imagination. Yeah, nine out of ten do not. They could be yeah. really powerful, really creative people, but they just don't understand things. So my biggest achievement is when I can get an interested buyer back with a design professional to help lead that discussion. Like, you know, don't pay attention to these black walls. If we made them cream, you would see the view different this way. Or if we, you know, raised the bed on a platform, we could see the Golden Gate Bridge 
at night yeah. when we're you know when we're in bed looking out. I mean, these are great things that designers can add. So I'm I'm not shy to bring great designers in to help buyers view things differently because they really don't have that imagination. And I'm not a designer. So I, my job is to get them through the first showing, and then I want you to come help at the second. Well, I will accept your invitation, <laughs> sir. But thanks for coming, Greg. I will call you Mr. Lin. Oh, boy. You're, you're, um, you're at the top of the game, and you're really so successful, and I know that you're... Uh, so many people look up to you, so uh, I hope that everyone enjoys the, the listen just as much as I've had uh, making all the inquiries. Well, thanks, Jeff. It's been great to be here, and I'm, I'm thrilled to be a part of this incredible collection of yeah. many of my friends that have uh, spoken before me, and I hope that uh, not everybody deletes this, uh, you know, after the third minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, all right, thanks again. Yeah.